Welcome to the VBPH Sermon Podcast. This week, we're reposting sermons from last week's Bible Conference in Prescott, Arizona. Each day this week, you'll enjoy sermons that were preached in the evening services, plus one morning seminar for our Saturday episode. Even our free subscribers will get a full week of ad-supported episodes. But if you'd like to support world evangelism with early released episodes and an ad-free listening experience, then use the links in the show notes to subscribe today. Thanks for listening, and enjoy today's sermon. Praise God. We are in for a wonderful night. I just want to thank you all, every one of you that have been here watching online, participating uh, to help make it a wonderful conference. And I know that God is going to help us. I want to thank our brother from Australia giving us great amounts of fun at his expense about the professional dancers. And uh, he asked for a second report so he could clarify. And I said, nope, that's permanent. It is what it is. Thank God. Amen. But I'm going to endeavor to preach short because we have a lot of churches to plant tonight. So thank God. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Psalm, chapter 127. In ancient warfare, it was fought for many years primarily with swords, spears, bows, and arrows. Those all have fairly limited range. And then when armor came, it had a fairly limited ability to penetrate armor. But the Welsh developed something called the longbow. The longbow stood six feet tall. It took incredible strength to uh, uh, pull this, and a longbow had nearly twice the firing distance and penetrating power at the Battle of Agincourt in 1415. The ability to fire arrows at such a long range and strength enabled the the British or the English to defeat a much larger French army. The text that we are going to read speaks of the heritage of children. You often hear this sermon, I've used this, talk about parenting. But we're going to talk about children being fruitfulness and disciples. In the text that we're going to read, it tells us the source of fruitfulness the purpose of fruitfulness, and the heritage of fruitfulness, all of which is pictured in our text as arrows. I want to preach about arrows of heritage, Psalm 127, 1 through 5. Unless the Lord build the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he gives his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they will speak with their enemies in the gate. Arrows of heritage. I want to begin, let's talk about trusting in love. There is an unhealthy approach in life and ministry that is actually based on an incorrect focus. 
Our text speaks about people who their focus is stressing about themselves. It's all up to me. I have to build the house. I have to guard the city. And if you believe that everything in life is up to you, at some point you're going to look at yourself and realize, I'm not enough. I can't do this. Moses was tormented. He said, God, I can't speak. I don't know enough. Gideon, I'm a nobody. Jeremiah, I'm too young. I'm inexperienced. I'm not enough. If you're stressing in life about yourself, it's actually not you you're stressing about. It, and it's, it's not you you're viewing incorrectly. It's God. Because that idea that everything is up to me has a false starting point. And that is how you look at God. This heart is saying, God, you don't really love me. You don't really want to help me. And that is absolutely destructive. That false view of God affects our labors and our ministry. It makes our approach in ministry and life trying to purchase God's love and favor. We're laboring for the Lord. We're doing the right things. But many people, they're not doing that because of love. They're trying to purchase God's love. They think that their sacrifice will buy favor. In their mind, they are, they are going through lists. God, I'm working, praying, giving. Do you love me now? See, that's a false idea. The, the prophets of Baal in the, the book of 1 Kings, that this was a false idea. They were crying out to their God, Baal, hear us. He's not hearing. So now they cut themselves. Look at my pain. Now you will help me because look at the price that I'm paying. This is actually a works mentality. Romans 4.4 says when people work, their pay is not given as a gift, but something earned. There are people, this is how they're approaching God. I will do the right thing, but then you owe me. That is why there are people that come to conference and they are, they're ticked because it's like I am working and praying and giving. I am trying to do the right thing and yet you're not giving me what you owe me. There's no blessing, there's no fruitfulness, there's no revival. That is absolutely incorrect. If you have that mentality, it makes us take all responsibility for blessing and success. This is what some people do. They're tormented. I'm not fruitful. I'm not blessed. There must be something wrong with me that is displeasing God. God must be looking at me from heaven going, nope, nope, nope. You're kidding, right? And so we're looking like, what is, what is it? What could it? What could it possibly be? In the hopes that someday it's like, I found a flaw. And God will go, all right, now somehow. That's tormenting. Serving God 
Ministry itself becomes tormenting. Verse 2, it's vain for you to rise up early, to sit up uh, late, to eat the bread of sorrows. You know, there are people that they're laboring for the Lord. They're losing sleep. They're working themselves to exhaustion. And they're not enjoying a minute of it. Listen, ministry, it's ridiculously hard work, but it's not meant to be a torment. Read a great story. There's a true story. A pastor's wife said she woke up in the middle of the night, heard a noise, said at the foot of the bed, her pastor husband was kneeling and he had his arms like this and he was muttering to himself. She said, George, what are you doing? He was still asleep. He said, shh, I've built a pyramid of marbles and if I move, it's all going to come crashing down. That, that is the bread of sorrows because it's all up to me. I've got to keep the marbles of my ministry together. In our text, it tells us the truth, blessing and fruitfulness are a miracle gift of God. The focus in our text, the focus of all blessing, it's God, not us. You say, I'm not enough. Of course you're not. God knew that when he invited you. It was never meant to be you. Verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. I want to tell you in life, my confidence is in God. It is not in me. My confidence is in God's goodness, not mine. It's in God's power, not mine. The focus of fruitfulness is God. Genesis 17, God speaks to Abraham and he says, I am almighty God and I will multiply you. He doesn't say it's because you're almighty, it's because of who I am. Psalm 127.3 in the New Living Translation, children are a gift from the Lord, they're a reward from him. Genesis 3, verse 5, the children God has graciously given your servant. Genesis 48, 9, the sons God has given me. And Acts 2, 47, the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. Listen, blessing and fruitfulness are a gift freely given because of God's love. You don't earn it. You don't pay for it. It's a gift. Some of you in your Bibles, the heading of the psalm will say this is a, 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 a psalm of Solomon. It's one of the few psalms written by Solomon. Verse 2, it uses a phrase in English. It, it says, those he loves. In the Hebrew, the word is actually comes from one word, Jedidah, which means beloved. If you know your Bible, when Solomon was born, God said, name him Jedidah or beloved. The children, the child of adulterous parents, God loved him. Why? Because he loves him. Listen, you are loved not because you do anything. You are loved because you are loved. That is the God that we serve. Amen. And God gives fruitfulness because he loves us. He wants to help us. 
Luke 12, 32, fear not, little flock. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Romans 8, 32, he who didn't spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, shall he not with him freely give us all things? I often tell people, pastors, when they're asking questions or disciples, I tell them I have two bedrock foundations of my life. Everything flows from this. Number one, my heavenly father loves me very much. And number two, my God is smarter than I am. Everything flows from that. Listen, I go into, I don't know how God is going to fix it. I don't know where the answer is going to come from. But my heavenly father loves me. He wants to help me, wants to guide me, wants to give me fruitfulness, wants to give me finances. So our text says that should produce rest in us. Verse 2, for so he gives his beloved sleep, ceasing from labors. This is not literally stopping work. That doesn't mean oh, we don't ever have to outreach or pray again. No, but what it's talking about is resting from stress. Listen, God is going to be awake all night. Why should you stay up too? <laughs> it's resting from unhealthy responsibility. I will build my church. That's Jesus' words. The Lord build the, builds the house. The Lord guards the city, and this has to do with our God's love. Let's talk secondly about sending arrows. In our text, it tells us the purpose of fruit. The source of fruit is God. Now there's a purpose. Why does he give fruit? Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. The point of having spiritual children. Now I'm talking about converts and disciples. The reason why God gives us that is to make impact. They are to make a difference in the world around them. Verse 5, 
They, talking about the children, shall not be ashamed, but they will speak with their enemies in the gate. This is talking about these children, spiritual children that God gives. They will be involved in battle with us. And the purpose of the house or spiritual fathers is to aim the fruit that God gives us. Converts and disciples, verse 4, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Arrows. God gives you fruit. He gives you converts. He gives you disciples. Our job is to aim them, send them into battle, and the ultimate battle is the battle for souls. It's evangelism. Think about three ways we aim arrows for evangelism. Number one, we should give converts the understanding of their purpose. The moment people get saved, our job is to give them an understanding. You know why you're saved and God didn't immediately take you to heaven? He wants you to win other people to Jesus. We preach mission. We preach purpose. You are saved for a purpose. Life is not just about you. Jesus said you can be fishers of men. That's your purpose. We tell converts God can use your life like Andrew winning his family, the woman at the well impacting her city. Evangelism comes out of inspiring people, not demanding and commanding. You inspire. Listen, God can use you. The privilege of salvation is to change people's lives. You can change their destiny forever. If you're a pioneer pastor, let me give you a powerful principle. And it goes like this. What you celebrate, you cement. Whatever you celebrate becomes set. It becomes a part. Listen, new converts. When I was pioneering, I would have new converts. They'd come in and I, and I witnessed to my cousin. I, in church, I would say, stand up, tell us. He witnessed to his cousin, tell us, and I told him, you need to be, no, I'm a Catholic. And I said, and at the end, I would get, yes, oh, come on, because I'm giving the message, what is important around here, evangelism, witnessing, that is why we celebrate outreach reports. That's why we don't just send you emails about church planting. Oh, look, honey, they planted churches into Bolivia, India, St. Lucia. No, no, no. We announce it publicly, and we're going crazy. You know, there are people, this is their first conf conference. They're going, apparently, this church planting thing is a big deal. Oh, yes, it is. Number two, we involve converts in evangelism. Churches should revolve around evangelism. Regular times of witnessing and evangelism. When converts get saved, we're giving them the message. You know what we're doing? On Saturday, we're going to go outreach or Tuesday or night or third, whatever day it is you witness. Involving them, that's healthy. Learning to identify with Jesus. Romans 10, that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. There's something powerful about getting a convert to, to witness and to tell people about Jesus. 
getting them to learn to focus on other people and not just themselves, that is incredibly healthy. We have special evangelistic events, plays and converts and uh, uh, concerts and neighborhood outreaches, healing crusades. We get converts to develop eyes for evangelism. Outreach means either find a crowd where people exist and preach to them or create a crowd. I want to tell you some of the converts that we get saved, they will dream up ways to draw people so we can preach that we never thought of. Listen, my job is not as an old dude to tell some young teenager, you know how you can reach teenagers? No, I want to know how they think we can reach teenagers. Number three, we send workers into the harvest as arrows in the hand of a mighty man. Arrows are to be sent. Matthew 9, 38, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. This is ultimately why God gives us fruit to churches is to send them into the harvest and plant churches. Acts 13, 2 and 3, as they ministered uh, to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate uh, to me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I've called them. Then having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and they sent them away. This is the vision of our fellowship. I, I spoke about this the other night. Who else, what other church do you know of that gets excited when criminals come to church? My pastor friends, we get together, it's like, man, God's helping. Had a bunch of gangster criminal drug addicts come to church. It's awesome. And why are they excited? Because they can see there's a future. To, someday they can see them walking this aisle onto the stage as a man of God. Amen. And if we never plant churches, then we're actually ultimately violating the reason God gave us those arrows in the first place. Arrows are to be sent you never send, ultimately it's going to damage the supernatural dimension of blessing. People won't rise and stay blessed if there's no sending. Perhaps it would be that God would say, why will I give you any more if you never send them, which is why I gave them in the first place. Let's talk about one final thought. Let's talk about rejoicing in heritage. Our text says that fruit and spiritual children are a heritage. Verse 3, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. Heritage literally means inheritance. It's actually treasure. Oh, I pray that you understand this. I pray that you treat converts, fruitfulness, disciples as a treasure. God entrusts us with spiritual children. And part of the reason why converts and disciples are so precious, it's because that's all we're going to take with us from this world into eternity. 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20, what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? You are our glory and our joy. Paul is writing, these are converts. Paul is going, he's saying, he's not going to take money with him. He's not going to take a house with him. Converts, 
disciples, that is ultimately the great joy, the joy of being in heaven and having other people there with me. Can you believe God let my life on earth in any way? God, you gave me them and they're in heaven today. In some way, I got to play a part. The joy of reward from our master, well done, good and faithful servant. Our text speaks about the future, about something beyond us. We are aiming at making impact beyond ourselves. Listen, you don't shoot arrows here, right? You shoot arrows beyond yourself. Our spiritual children, they can reach farther than we can. Places that we can't go, but they can. And the inheritance of fruitfulness is something that will outlive us. Inheritance, it not only means treasure, it is something handed on. Passed on. That's what an inheritance is. Something that lives on and is handed down to others long after we're gone. 2 Timothy 2.2, the things you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit those to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Paul is speaking, he, he's listing four generations there. He's talking about something I gave, I handed it to you, and you handed it on, and they hand it on to others. So therefore, it lives beyond us. We had a wonderful conference this week, 17 sermons, is it? Do you know eight of the 16 pastors that you heard preach this week were trained personally by my father, Pastor Wayman Mitchell, either completely or partly. In a couple of months, my father will have been dead for two years already. And yet this week, he being dead, he still speaks. Amen. Yes. Because that is the power. He got us saved, some of us. He shaped us, got rid of rough edges, put some feathers in our tail and launched us. He shot beyond us so that after he is gone, his impact does not stop. Listen, that is your call, every person here. You are to shoot something beyond you, to send, have impact beyond the here and the now. That pattern of fruitfulness, discipleship, and church planted is to be reproduced in other cities and other nations. I close with this. I don't know if you've ever heard how the gospel came to the nation of Korea. In 1866, a ship was going to go to Korea. This was incredibly dangerous. It was a merchant ship. Incredibly dangerous because Korea was absolutely closed to outsiders. Foreigners who stepped foot 
into Korea were to be put to death instantly. Robert J. Thomas was a missionary to China. He heard that most educated Koreans could read Chinese. So God put something in his heart, a passion. He wanted to take the gospel to Korea. He heard about this ship, a merchant ship. They're going to go and try to make money. And he begged and badgered and harassed his way until they finally let this preacher on the boat. And what he brought was Bibles. As they're coming up the river into Korea, the Koreans started shooting at the ship and caught it on fire. It got stuck. All of the men on the ship, they grabbed their swords and knives and guns and waded ashore. They're trying to slash and shoot and fight their way out somehow. Not one of them made it. The Koreans killed every single one of them. But they said there was one man who acted very strangely. He wasn't carrying any weapons at all. He was carrying armfuls of this strange book. And as they're shooting at him, he is throwing Bibles to them. As they're stabbing and beating him, he is thrusting Bibles at them. That was Robert J. Thomas. Chinese Bibles because he wanted the gospel to go beyond him. 30 years later, the first missionaries were finally able to come to Korea when it opened up. Sam Moffat, a Presbyterian missionary, he began to preach the Word of God. One of the very first men who came to one of his new convert classes had an old Chinese Bible. His father had picked it up from a bloody riverbank 30 years before read this strange book and God got a hold of his heart and he was saved. Thank God. Listen, Robert J. Thomas, he wanted something of his life to go beyond him. And that is our call. That is actually the, the end result of our conferences. We are gathered here because our heart's cry is, God, give us spiritual children, sons and daughters, and God, if you'll give them, we will, we will fire them as arrows into the harvest field of evangelism and church planting. And oh, God, every single one of us, if you tarry, let there be something of our lives that will live on, not because of us, but because of you. Can you say amen? Thank God. Let's bow our heads. Praise God. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.